We are so glad that you're here this morning again. I am Paul Huft. I'm the pastor of Crosspoint Fellowship. So if this is your first time here today, or your first time watching online, welcome. We are so glad that you're here to join us. We are starting a new series today looking at love, titled specifically, as you saw, What is Love? And today we talk about loving our neighbor. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 22 and Luke chapter 10. Those scriptures will be on the screen, but you also feel free to follow along in your Bible or on your phone or whatever works for you. Um, I am excited about this series. It's going to be a short one. We're just four weeks and then we'll have Easter and we're going to do something for Easter. I'm excited about Easter. Make sure you're inviting people to Easter to come for Easter. We're going to have breakfast and an Easter egg hunt after church available for everyone that comes. And so we want to pack this place and and deliver the message of Jesus to them because we're going to talk specifically about what happened on Easter and why we celebrate Easter that day. And so my hope is that that will be pretty powerful. And then after that, just to kind of give you a, a look into the future, is what's happening. We'll go uh, over Romans. We've got a series coming up in Romans after this series on love. And so uh, I'm going to start today by delivering a quote to you. And the quote says, a single question has the power to change the world. Paul Huft. (laughs) Probably Maybe. Uh, I did Google it, something like that, to see if anybody had said that exact same thing. I didn't see anything. So I'm taking credit. It's mine. You're welcome. Put it on a shirt. Use it as your senior quote kids. Uh, I don't know if you have like company yearbooks, uh, but you should do that as well, right? But a single question has the power to change the world, especially if you're brave enough to ask that question, and especially if you ask that question to the right person. Today we begin with a question. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 22, verse 36. This question is asked by a Pharisee, uh, a man who was considered an expert of the law, and it goes a little something like this. Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? Which, it actually goes which, that, that's not a direct quote. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? In verse 37 through 40, it says, Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Now, I don't know what answer the Pharisee was expecting to get, but Christ certainly passed the test. What we do know is that this question, the question of which is the greatest commandment, was something that was being heavily debated in this day and age, right? They wanted to champion a commandment. They wanted to know uh, what is the most important thing for us to follow, and there was some argument, right? There's 10 of them, for those of you that don't know, 10 commandments, and, and they were trying to whittle it down to which is the greatest. What should we really be focusing on? right? I don't know if it was because they were lazy and they were like, maybe we could just focus on this one and not worry so much about the other nine. I'm not sure the motivations, but they were trying to answer that questions. And Christ quickly summarized, his answer quickly summarizes all 10 commandments in a matter of two sentences, right? Christ's first answer to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength is a direct quote from Deuteronomy 6, 5. So chapter 6, 5. If you want to go there, you'll see exact same words, right? Christ, Christ quotes their scripture to them. And it summarizes what we would refer to as the first table of the law which covers uh, the first four commandments. And these are commandments which we consider vertical, right? Our relationship between us and God, that's, that's the vertical. See, up, God, we're assuming 
is up there, right? So it's the vertical commandments. And these first four commandments are, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. The fourth one is remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Now that's the first table. And we'll get to that as we go through this series, but we're focusing today on the second table. How can we love our neighbor? How can we love our neighbor? And Christ's second answer is actually a a direct quote from Leviticus 19, where he tells us to love our neighbor as ourselves. And that table, the second table, consists of the final six commandments. And these are how we love our neighbor. But before we get to these, I think it's important for us to establish who exactly is our neighbor. Who is it that we should be loving in the way that God tells us to love each other? And Christ answers that for us as well uh, through a parable in Luke chapter 10. And it's the parable of the Good Samaritan. And if you've ever been in church at all, chances are that you've heard this. But we're going to go through it again today. And hopefully, like uh, God did for me, he'll just review, uh, refresh you and, and give you something new from this that maybe you haven't received before. But let's start in uh, verse 25. Again, that's Luke chapter 10. It says, On one occasion, an expert of the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? All right, here we go again, right? Here we go again. This is, we're asking questions. We're trying to test Jesus. We're trying to stump Jesus. I'm going to ask you this question in front of a group of people, and I'm going to catch you in something. And Jesus actually responds to his question with the question, which is always a solid strategy, right? Like you could have a 40-minute conversation where you actually never have to give an answer to somebody uh, because you just keep asking questions. They ask the question, how are you today? Well, how are you today, right? You just can keep going. It's not exactly Jesus's motivation, but he responds to, to this Pharisee's question with the question. And he actually asks him, he says, well, what's written in the law? What's written in the law? How do you read it? That's an important question, right? Because we all have this access to the scripture. We all have this access to the law, but when it boils down to it is how do we read this? How do we interpret this? How do we apply it to our lives? What do we think about it? And so Jesus is really wanting to see where this Pharisee is coming from. And so he asked him, how do you interpret the law? How do you read it? And the Pharisee has a very familiar answer. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Sounds familiar, right? Sounds familiar. Well, Jesus gives him a pat on the back. He says, you have answered correctly. You have answered correctly. Great job. I don't know if Jesus was shocked, but he was just saying, hey, you you did well. He said, do this and you will live. But he, meaning the Pharisee, right, wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Right? So I know that I'm supposed to love the Lord with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my strength. I know that. I can do that. But who's my neighbor? Who am I supposed to treat as myself? Because, see, this is a very... Uh, kind of hostile part of the world. It, it's, it's really always been that way. I mean, if you think about it, it's, you go to this region, there's still a lot of hostility between people groups. And, and no doubt we're dealing with the same thing here. And so Jesus responds with this beautiful story of, of the Good Samaritan. And Jesus replies in verse 30, he says, I, I picture him saying, hey, listen to this. Okay, I got it. Just listen. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, they beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road. 
And when he came to the place and he saw him, the priest actually saw him, he passed on the other side. There's the guy, beaten, naked, bloody. And the priest says, you know what, I think I'll just walk over there. I think I'll just walk over there. And so too, a Levite, a Levite, when he came to the place and he saw him, he also passed by on the other side. So he sees him, he's broken, he's bloody, just stripped of all dignity. And the Levite says, yeah, I don't think so. I'm just going to pretend that's not my situation to deal with. See, and under, to understand what, what, what an uppercut Jesus just hit this Pharisee with, you have to understand that the priest and the Levite are about as high as you can get in Jewish society. There's no one greater. There are no two people who should follow the law of God and represent him in a better way than the priest and the Levite. But they see this man and they decide, I don't want to have to deal with this. And so at first, I'm sure that this Pharisee is like, ugh, right? That's the, how dare you? Whoa, right? But he said, hey, I just hit you with an uppercut, so now I'm going to come with an overhand right. He says, but a Samaritan, as he traveled, came to where this man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and he bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And then he put the man on his own donkey. And he brought him to an inn. And he took care of him. And the next day, he took out two denarii, a lot of money, okay, a lot of money in this day and age. Don't, don't get confused by the two. It's a lot, especially for this Samaritan man. And he gave them to the innkeeper, and he says, look after him. And when I return, I will reimburse you. I will give you the money for anything that these two denarii didn't cover. For any extra expense that you may have, I will pay you. And then Christ asks an important question of his own. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert of the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus replied, go and do likewise. You see, this priest and this Levite, the epitome of Jewish culture, decided that that man's troubles were not their own. But this Samaritan, this, this half-breed, which is how he was looked at, this half-Jew, half-Gentile, this dirty dog, this man who if he would have walked by this man that was found broken, bloodied, and naked in the ditch any other day of the week, that man would have walked on the other side of the road just to ignore him, just to be away from him, just to not possibly be made dirty by this human being. That's what we're dealing with here. And it's that man, that man who I guarantee you has no doubt been abused, no doubt been mocked, no doubt been ridiculed, no doubt been treated as if he was animalistic, no human qualities by this Jewish Israelite man who said, I'm going to help him. I am going to help him. 
Jews and Samaritans were far from friendly. Far from friendly. And yet, who was it that helped him? You see, who should have helped him wasn't in question. Who should have done the Lord's work was not in question. It should have absolutely been the priest and the Levite. And let me tell you, nobody would have blamed the Samaritan in this story if the Samaritan said, "Mm -mm, not going to do it. I'm going to walk on the other side of the road. Because before that situation, you know what that Jew would have said? I would, I would rather die than have you put your hands on me. I would rather die than for you to help me. So who should have helped him wasn't in question. Why the Samaritan did absolutely raised a few eyebrows. This was revolution. And yes, one question has the power to change the world. You see, our neighbor is the one who loves us when others would have left us. Our neighbor is the one who loves us when others would leave us. Our neighbors are those who forego giving us what we deserve to give us what they would desire from us if the situations were turned. That is who our neighbor is. And just so we can be as clear as possible, let's look at Christ's words in Matthew 5, 43 through 46. He says, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of our Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? I mean, IRS, you know what I'm saying? Goodness. Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. That's the teaching. That's our natural inclination. That's where we go. Right? I love those who love me. You wrong me. See you later. Cut off. Right? You are cut off. But even the worst, even the worst of the worst can say that they love those who love them. If you really want to do something, if you really want to accomplish something for God, then love those that in your eyes are are unlovable. If you really want to accomplish something, then love those that in your eyes are unlovable. That son-in-law or that daughter-in-law that really grind your gears, You know that one that you think, I'm going to love you like Jesus. I'm going to backhand you with this Bible, right? Like, you got. I'm just, we're there. We know what that's like, right? That mother-in-law or that father-in-law that makes you want to run your head through a window. Some of y'all are wincing. Just so you know, I'm not one of those. I I feel like I have to say it because she's here, but it's also true. I love my (laughs) mother-in-law. 
I'm sure there are times where she's wanted to run my head through a window, but right? That coworker that has you uploading your resume cannot wait to get out of here. I cannot wait to get away from them. They don't even know what work is. I can't even call them a coworker. They don't do anything. They're like a cohabitator. They're just here. They actually cause more work for me. I'm actually going to claim them, right, on my tax return. They are a dependent. I've been carrying them through everything. That student, we have a ton of teachers in here. I'm one myself. That student that has you wondering what it would be like to lose your job and end up on the news, you know what I mean? Do I really want this teaching certificate? Like Bucky's is getting ready to hire, right? And I can sling roast beef sandwiches all day long for the same amount, legitimately. If I manage that place, I'll end up making more. So I mean, maybe Bucky's and me. I, I love a good Bucky's, right? Here's the thing. Too many of us are concerned with others receiving what they deserve when Christ ensured that we would never have to be in that situation. I want you to think about that. I want you to think about that and your love for the Lord. You see, too many of us are concerned with others receiving what it is that they deserve when Christ made it so that you and I would never, ever have to be in that situation. Who are we serving? Who are we serving? Who is our God? If it's him, and we're loving that enemy, but if it's us, we're backhanding that enemy. Who are you serving? To answer the question, who is our neighbor? Guess what? There is no one that is not our neighbor. There is no one that is not our neighbor. As I said last week, the way that it should work with a Christian is when we see someone in need, we help. No one should have to beg. No one should have to plead. If we have the means to help someone in need, then we should help someone in need. And sometimes helping them is loving them like Jesus would when they are broken, when they are bruised, when they are dirty, when they treat us awfully. And y'all, listen, a lot of y'all know me, right? You know me. I'm not up here perfect pastor. I've admitted it. My first inclination is to throw the, you know, check him into the elbow, something, like maybe try to get away with it somehow. But that's my first inclination is like, hey, you know, say something about my mom. I'll slap you, right? Like that's just the type of person I am. Now, that's the type of person I am, but that's not the type of person that Christ is making. Know the difference. What must we do to inherit eternal life? We must be born again. So yes, you have sinful inclinations. You have things that you naturally lean to. But that doesn't mean that just because that's the way I am, that's the way we get to be. Christ is here to change you and to change me and to make us beings that we could not be on our own. So stop worrying about what it is that other people deserve and start wondering about how you can love them like Jesus. And I guarantee you, you will see change in them. You will absolutely see change in them. 
So going back to that second table, how do we love our neighbor? Well, here's the six things. Honor your father and mother. That's easy for me. I know my parents aren't perfect, but they have loved me as perfectly as they know how. It's easy for me. For some of y'all, I recognize how not easy that is. So I don't say this easily to you. But notice, it doesn't say anything about whether or not they were good parents. It doesn't say anything about whether or not they deserve it. It says to honor your father and mother so that you might live a long life and prosper in this land that I'm giving you. It's conditional. I told this story before. I'm going to tell you again. I'm going to go over time, and I guess I've got the mic, so there you go. My grandfather who you all know I love more than almost anybody in the world, had awful parents. It's just the truth. Mother was abusive. Probably had some mental stuff that caused her to be that way, but it wasn't really a day and age where you took care of that kind of thing. Father was a pastor, but got tired of mother and left the family left the kids with mother. A lot of kids. Ten? Ten kids? Eleven kids? Ten. How, how many does he have? He's the oldest of how many? Seven? Eight? Four? No, there's more than that. You're wrong. Four? <laughs> I like my number better. Ten sounds better. Okay? Apparently it's four, but, but regardless, four. They all had reason to be angry with their parents. Their parents didn't deserve honor. But my grandfather, being the ever amazing example that he was, found a way to still honor his parents, to love his parents, to forgive his parents. And his other brothers and sisters struggled with that greatly. My grandpa's in his 90s, and his last living brother or sister has been gone for decades. You honor your father and mother, not for them, for you. Because one, God told you to do so. And two, if nothing else, they gave you the opportunity to live this life and serve this God. So find a way to appreciate them. We're told that we shall not murder. I don't need if you, <laughs> I don't know if you need an explanation on this, but don't kill anybody. <laughs> They don't kill anybody. But Christ takes it a step further. He also tells us that if you hate somebody, really hate somebody in your heart, you've done the same. Don't commit adultery. Keep your marriage intact. Stay true to your commitment. And help others stay true to theirs. Don't steal from your neighbor. I mean, I've heard this for a long time in my life, but don't take something that's not yours. Most of us are hopefully really good at that. 
The next one says, don't give false testimony against your neighbor. Right? Not, not in court. Also, not in your friend circle. When that gossip train is rolling, derail it. Or at least jump, tuck, and roll off that train. Don't participate. Don't, don't listen to falsehoods. Don't spread falsehoods. If you don't know something because you saw it with your own eyes, keep your mouth closed. That's a good rule. Unless you saw it, unless you experienced it, even then, what value is it to you to spread those things? You shall not covet from your neighbor. Worry about what you have and not about what they got. Worry about what you have and not about what they got. Cultivate what it is that belongs to you. Cultivate what the Lord has blessed you with. You have a home, you have a tiny home, make it the most beautiful tiny home in the world. Keep that lawn up, slap a fresh coat of paint on the walls, repair all the things. Don't be looking at Joe Manchin, right? Who's got 10 rooms and 12 bathrooms and all the things that you wish one day you might have that you probably will never get and be okay with that. The Lord is sustaining you. He's giving you what you need when you need it. Trust in that. Have faith in that. Worry about what's yours, not what about someone else has got. But above all this, above all these specifics, love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. Think to yourself, self, how would I like to be loved? And love them in that way. As Mr. Rogers once said, won't you be my neighbor? Won't you be my neighbor? Let's pray. God, I come to you right now. I thank you for this day, and I thank you for your word, the encouragement that it brings to our lives. God, sometimes loving others uh, is difficult. Sometimes loving others is difficult. And God, we can justify all day long. We can come up with reasons why they don't deserve it. We can come up with reasons why... Uh, they are getting exactly what they deserve. But God, you didn't do that to us. You didn't give us what we deserve. Instead, you showered us with love. I mean, love came down in the form of Christ. And then love went up on that cross. And it was shed for us. And it covered us. And it allowed for us to be forgiven. How dare we not forgive others? How dare we hold others to a standard that we weren't held to? And I know it's difficult. I know it's difficult. It's difficult for me. So I imagine it's difficult for others. But Lord, justice is yours. It's not ours. It's not ours. You call us to go and to love the world. Just like Christ loved the world. So God, give us that heart. Give us that mindset. One that is self-sacrificial. One that says, how may I serve others? One that says, how may I put them first? An attitude, God of humility. We just spent eight weeks on it. 
And may we love our neighbor as we love ourselves. We ask for the power to do these things, for the conviction to turn us when we don't want to. We ask for these things in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. Stand up with me right now and let's worship. Let's give God the worship that he deserves. If you need prayer, come pray with me. Um, Come pray with me. Shane, can I have you kind of stand back that way? Shane Coker's going to be over there praying for y'all. And um, I'm trying to say. Grant, I'm going to have you go over there this way. Other way, Grant. Other way. But you're, you're getting there. That's fine. We have Grant. So you've got options, okay? You have multiple options. Uh, Joy, I'm going to have you too. I just saw you pop out. Can you come over here under this TV? So now you have four options, right? You don't want to come pray with me. You don't want to come stand up in front of all these people. That's fine. Find one of them. Go pray with them. They are ready and willing to pray with you. They want to pray with you. Whatever struggle you're dealing with right now, take it to the Lord. Lay it at his feet and let it go. That person that you need to pray for this morning... Right, that mother-in-law, daughter-in-law, father-in-law, son-in-law, coworker, neighbor, like literal lives right next door to me, want to set their house on fire, that type, like whoever it is in your life right now that you need to lift up to the Lord, lift that person up today. That's the challenge. It may break you to do it, but pray for them right now in this moment and then worship God because he's worthy of it. He deserves it. Let's go. Let's go.
something on my heart that I feel like God wants me to tell you. Something that until just a few seconds ago never even crossed my mind. Okay? For some of you, that neighbor that you're avoiding, that person that you're walking on the other side of the road to get away from is yourself. You're beaten. You're bloody. You're broken. And you don't think you're worth anything. And you spend your days tearing yourself down spend your days looking at all the ways that you don't measure up you don't think you're enough 
And I tell you lovingly that you're wrong. You are wrong. Because even though you're walking on the other side of the road, Jesus is headed directly towards you to pick you up out of that ditch. And He loves you. And He said that you're worthy. And you can't make yourself holy, but He can and He will. If you can't get to the place where you love yourself, if you can't get to the place where you understand that Christ said that you are worthy, You can't get there. You're going to have a really hard time loving anybody else. If you can't love you, if you can't see what you're worth, you're going to have a really difficult time seeing the worth in others. And their worth is there. So is yours. We talk about forgiveness and we talk about grace all day long and we, we love that message. We cling to it because it's filled with hope. We like the idea of it. But Satan won't let you believe it. Well, Satan's a liar. He is a liar and he will lie to you all day long as long as you will allow him to do so. You've got to speak the truth of Christ into your life. And that truth is that you are worthy. You are loved. You're enough. Believe it. Believe it. And trust that God has done for you what He says that He has done for you. That's all. Let's keep worshiping.